right, church family, we're going to sing together. We're glad you're joining us. Let's worship in a different way this morning. Come on. Come on, not going to wait. Oh, I'm not going to wait. Wait for the walls to fall. Because I know a name that will bring them down. And I've got a praise awakening within my soul. And I'm not ashamed to declare it now. Light of the world, trample the darkness. And nothing can stop it. You are the God of the promise. We want to prepare the way. Come in. Oh, prepare the way. 
again. Thank you for joining us today uh, online or in some format. We are we're glad that you're here. and We do look to our hope in Christ this morning as our promise. And no matter what happens over these next couple of weeks, we have a hope. We have assurance in him. So let's look to him this morning. Let's glorify him. Let's magnify his name. For he's worthy. I won't bow to eyes. I'll stand strong and worship you. It puts me in the fire. I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what 
Let's pray together, and we're going to watch a baptism. Let's do that. Let's celebrate this morning what he has done. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We get to worship in a new and different way. That though there is distance between us, that we are still one body in worshiping you. So help us this morning. We celebrate this, what Christ has done. So praise be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Calvary. We are glad to be here today. My name is Drew Phillips. I'm here with Lauren Toll. She's been coming to Calvary here for about five years now, and God has been doing some amazing work in her life. It was amazing to be back and praying with her and Amy Anthony. Um, as she's spent some time pouring into you over the last several years. And today, Lauren would like to follow Christ in obedience and baptism. And so because of that, Lauren, uh, who have you made Lord of your life? Jesus. Based on that confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Good morning, Calvary. Hope you're doing well. If you are seeing this live or catching it later, we know that there is a lot going on right now. I just want to open this up with a, a little bit of prayer. God, we know that there is so much uncertainty right now, but we are thankful for um, how you're moving in our lives, the way that you're uh, so good to us. Guard us, guide us, direct us. God, be with our leaders, give us wisdom. We chase after you. In your name we pray. Amen. A few years ago, I was, had the privilege of preaching at a church um, that was filled with people who didn't speak the language of English. And they spoke a certain nationality, and uh, they invited me to preach, but it was a very unusual setting. And I reminded myself of this uh, not too long ago because I felt like today was going to be different. And in this setting, um, I had to preach, and then there was a translator. And so I, I did what I always do. I, ha I had some jokes. I had the, the whole, like, 
keep everything casual and everything. And, and I went through the sermon, really put a lot of effort into that. At the end of the sermon, I um, thought it was great. The people were laughing and stuff. And the translator came up to me and he said, really good job. Next time, don't tell any jokes. And I looked at him and I was puzzled. And I said, what are you talking about? They were all laughing. And he goes, yeah, I just told the people. He told a joke, didn't translate, everyone laughed. And so it was kind of one of those funny moments where you sit there and you go, oh yeah, context matters. So today's sermon is going to be a little different. It's going to be uh, watching this sometimes in your pajamas, sometimes maybe watching this on Tuesday, I don't know. Um, watching this as your kids are cooped up at home, maybe you're going to watch this three or four times. But I want you to trust that God is still has a plan and is moving in our lives. In Philippians 4, 4 through 8, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So what is true? God is still on his throne. We trust that God has a plan and is over all and is through all and is hearing us and cares for us. What is true? He calls us to stay focused on the mission. The mission of making followers that make followers of Jesus, as we just saw through the baptism. The mission of understanding what it means to be in a relationship with God. And he calls us to stay on mission and to stay focused on him. Now, what does that look like when the things get changed? What does that look like to think outside the box? What does it look like in this day and time to stay on mission? Today's story, for the rest of the time, I want to be talking about Luke 5, verses 17 through 25, a story that we teach our children, a story that kind of everyone should know, a story that is encouraging and filled with hope. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then, some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him, since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to him, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. This morning I want to give you three truths and four perspectives from this story Three truths and four perspectives on how we can stay on mission 
during this time. Truth number one, the ultimate way God shows his love is through what he did on the cross. The ultimate way that God shows us his love is what he did on the cross. It says in verse 20, seeing their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. You know what people usually find God and seek after God is in the middle of a tragedy. People oftentimes, when the chaos of the world is going on, I remember after 9-11, people came to church in droves trying to ask for the bigger answers, the things that we get distracted from. And sometimes when we have the cancer diagnosis or the uncertainty of our future or whatever else is going on in our life, people are asking, where is God in the middle of that? In the middle of all of that, we usually know and should know that Jesus is still here. And the greatest thing he has to offer us is the chance to have an eternal relationship with him that begins now on this earth and into eternity. Let's be clear. The ultimate hope that we have comes from being forgiven and restored into what we were created to be, followers of Jesus. So no matter what happens on this earth, we have nothing to fear. Since the beginning of time, in Genesis 1:26, when it says, we were made in the image of God, verse 27, in the image of God, he made him male and female. That was the purpose. And we walked away from that. And in that sense, God made a way for us to stay connected with him both now and into eternity. The truth, number one, is that ultimately God shows his love is what he's doing through and what he did do on the cross. Truth number two from this passage we can gather is because God loves us, he does care about every detail of our lives. Isn't that comfortable? Isn't that comforting, I guess is a better way to say it. Isn't that reassuring? Matthew 6, 25 through 26 says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, or what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Isn't more than the food and the body, isn't your life more than the food and the body and more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Jesus healed the man and stated his purpose was to show him that he may know God. And that is absolutely true. But we also find through numerous stories in this story and in the story where he healed the paralytic man that, that Jesus had compassion for the people of the woman being stoned to death, of Lazarus being raised to death, even the guard that, chopped Peter's, that Peter chopped his ear off in the Garden of Gethsemane. God shows that he cares for us in the little things. So in this time of uncertainty, when you're sitting there going, I'm a waiter and I'm not having anybody come in right now, how is this going to work out? Trust that God has a bigger plan. When we're looking around and we're sitting there going, the stock market, what day is it? What's it looking like? Trust that God has a bigger plan. When we're stuck in our house with our kids for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, trust that God has a bigger plan and that God can do something amazing through this time and in these circumstances. And the way that we can rest in that is the third truth from this passage. The ultimate gift God gives us in difficult circumstances is His presence through the Holy Spirit. While Jesus didn't actually mention the Holy Spirit in this passage, he does in John 16, 7. It says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. So when Jesus 
died on the cross and when he was raised to a new life, he offered us the opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. And once we entered into that relationship with him, the way that we know that this relationship is good is because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. If you weren't uh, around last week, I encourage you to go back last week to yourcalvary.info and watch last week's sermon. We talked a lot about the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's how we know the relationship is real. God is suddenly dwelling on us and the fact that in the form of the Holy Spirit and the fact that He is with us gives us peace. It gives us um, joy so that when we're walking around the town, people are going, how do you have joy in the midst of these circumstances? And you go, let me tell you, Jesus is still doing stuff in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can trust in that. Now, why don't we always trust in that? Well, the reason I really wanted to pick this story is the truths that you found there. You could find those truths throughout the New Testament. But I love the four perspectives of the people and the way that people viewed this event. Do you realize, right, that your viewpoint on how you view a story is different from the, your neighbor, is different from the person down the street, is different. And so in our society, there's, there's all kind of people who are viewing what's going on in our life right here and now very differently. How does God want us to look at it? That's really the question, not how I'm viewing it. And so today I want us to look at it through four different perspectives and then ultimately ask us, how does God want us to, to view this? The perspective number one, and this happens a lot, is the perspective of, of the first perspective that I want to talk about are those people who see the story, but they think they know how God should work. In verse 21, Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Here's the sad part. A lot of times these people are the righteous people. The people who think that they're the religious leaders. The people who want a microphone, who want to get up and say, here's what God is doing. And I don't know what God is doing through this. Is that, is that okay to say? But I know he's doing something. And I think a lot of times people get really frustrated in difficult times because they sit there and they go, how can a loving God do this? And here's the answer. Sin. Sin, once it... It came into our world, swept away the pure way that life was supposed to operate and function. So when Adam and Eve took of that fruit in the garden found in Genesis chapter 3, we begin to see that sin started separating us from understanding the way that God moves and operates. And so here's the part that we need to understand and wrap our minds around. The answer is sin, but in this instance, let me encourage you, it may not just be the sin that you think. Maybe it's the same ideology that Adam and Eve had in the garden that's causing you a difficult time to understand how God can be a loving God in this time. It's a temptation to take our worldview and project it on the creator of the universe, the creator of time itself. It is our sin that not only separates us from God, but tries to justify our worldview as justified by our thoughts, our actions. Have you ever considered that maybe your perspective on how the world should operate is really about you and is therefore a sin? Maybe that's why Jesus said, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking, what are you thinking in your hearts? Why are you thinking this in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. 
But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up your, take your stretcher and go home. You see, God is going to do some amazing things through this time. He's going to provide in a ways that are, are amazing. He's going to show up and the church can be the church and we can make an impact and a difference in the world around us if we just stop to see it from a way that isn't just about us. If we can gain this mentality that says, I believe that God is still on his throne and we're going to live and follow that no matter what happens. But instead of seeing the amazing ways and ways and ways that God is moving, we complain about how life isn't like we think it should operate. And we get miserable. But when we step outside of our worldview outside of ourselves into a kingdom perspective that he calls us to live, we see a loving, righteous father who sent his son to die for us despite us, that no matter what the world may throw at us, we will be in peace, at peace with God. And maybe then we can see a new perspective and how to approach times like this. The second perspective I want you to see is there are those who will stop at nothing to bring people into the presence of God. There are those who will not let the circumstances of their lives stop them from bringing them into the presence of God. That's the reason we're trying to live stream this morning. That's the reason we aren't just shutting down because we believe that God is good in any circumstance. So in verse 18 it says, Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. They tried to bring him to the church, but the church was closed, right? Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd or the coronavirus, however you want to extrapolate that, they went onto the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. It was not by any stretch of the imagination an easy or convenient way for those friends to bring that one who needed to come to Jesus to bring them to Jesus. Everybody was crowded in. They couldn't get in. They had to go up on the roof. They had to break open a roof to get him in there. Think about that. Right, can you imagine when you're in that room and all of a sudden you start seeing tink, tink, or, you know, what, I don't even know what kind of roof it was. It says tiles that could have been grass, but they were on the roof, so it probably wasn't like palm leaf roof. It wasn't so easy to remember. It was a hard roof that they would have gone up to on the sunny days to stay cool and that kind of stuff. At night, a lot of times they would have gone up and eaten on the roof because it was hot. They would have gone up on the roof and they would have found a way to break open that roof, to break through the obstacles that were given them to bring their friend to Jesus. What would it look like for us to embrace that in this day and age? What, would it, what does it look like with this coronavirus thing going around to break open the roofs, the boundaries, the things that are keeping us from allowing the gospel to be taken to our friends, our community, and our world? What does it look like for us to say, no, I'm not going to bow to fear. No, I'm not going to be distracted. No, I'm going to stay living on mission because I have a kingdom perspective. And yeah, I might have to think outside the box, but this is going to look different. But I am going to stay on mission. That's when the church is the church. I saw 
an article last week and had a few other people say that they think that about 30% of our country is paralyzed in fear right now. And there's 50% of the country who's sitting going around going, look at all those 30 people in paralyzed fear. <laughs> what idiots. And there's 20% of the people in the country who are actually acting what I think is actually correct. We should not fear but we should act like a church and try to protect those who are vulnerable and we should take this serious what does it look like for us in the church to walk along people to say we don't need to fear but we will stay on mission what does it look like us for to be grounded in our faith so much that we don't sit there and go i am not going to back down because my people, these people, this town, this world needs Jesus. We are continuing to have meetings. We're going to have uh, one later today. We're having some tomorrow with ways that our church can think outside the box. The ways that in the, this next few weeks, however long that lasts, we can be creative to help you, to help our community continue to be in the presence of Jesus. But it takes you really buying into the mentality. It takes us all buying really into the, and the mentality of we will be compelled to live in mission, on mission. You see, what compelled them was the mission, not the circumstances. Circumstances come and go, but the mission remains the same. It's not how much money you have in your bank. It's not how... Um, freeing society is it's not any of those things the mission is the same so that's kind of where we're supposed to live but i also want to cover two other perspectives here and and at first you might go why are you covering those two because that that would have been a good point but i want you to think about the third perspective one that's very rarely talked about the homeowner can you imagine being the homeowner you invite you ever you know We've all heard the stories of the guy who invited six people over and the next thing they know they were having a full-blown party at their house, right? I imagine that's what this was. Oh, you want to bring Jesus by? Sure. Next thing you know, it's like, I don't have hors d'oeuvres for all these people. Uh, they're wall-to-wall, -wall, they're, they're crammed in, it's hot, and you're sitting there going, boy, this party got out of hand. And all of a sudden, we don't really know what this person was thinking, the homeowner, or assume he was married to the wife, or any of that stuff at all. But all of a sudden, you start going, huh, I don't remember the ceiling starting to do that. And all of a sudden, there's a light in your ceiling. And all of a sudden, you realize your roof is being torn open. And in that moment, you're probably thinking to yourself, if, at least if it was me, you know, I hope they have a plan to put that back. What does this look like? And, and I, I, I try to wrap my mind around it, and I wish the Bible told us more about what the homeowner was feeling and how they responded to this. But here's the perspective I want us all to see from the view of the homeowner. Some will have to sacrifice more than others. Some will have undue burdens that, that you will feel like this is not fair. Some will struggle because you were a waiter and now no one's coming in. And yeah, we're going to rally around you, but let me urge you to stop and to really be careful of about doing the comparison game of I'm feeling the weight of this more than you. 
Instead, may we all realize that the purpose of us staying on mission is to trust that we as a community are gathering together to stay focused on what God wants us to do. And guess what? If your roof gets cracked open because they want to bring someone to Jesus, we'll help you put it back together because that's what the church should do. But ultimately, let's not worry about the sacrifices we need to make. Let's just do them for the glory of God. And the fourth perspective is the one that really drives us, the man that was healed. <laughs> he got up and walked. How cool is that? He got up and walked. He got up and walked. And the sins were forgiven. What does it look like when we meet people's needs in our community, that we, that we actually go and meet their... So the friends didn't grab their paralytic friend for the purpose of Jesus going, your sins are forgiven. That would have probably seemed like, yeah. But they were open to hearing the power of Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven because he saw that their needs were being met. So what does it look like to trek on that elderly neighbor and say, hey, I love you because I want to. I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy you some groceries. No, don't reimburse me. What does it look like to go make a, a, a pharmaceutical run for someone who's sick? And yeah, you don't have to go in their house and talk to them because they're sick, but you, you take the stuff to, and drop it on the door, doorbell and then stay constantly texting them. What does it look like to reach out to someone who is struggling? What does it look like for us to go out into this world and actually try to make a difference for the purpose of allowing that person to see Jesus? Why aren't we meeting the honest answer is because we're trying to prevent people from being sick and the hospitals being inundated and the government has asked us to honor that and so we honor that because we don't want the hospitals and our doctors and our nurses and their families and all of their lives to be risked. But we're not meeting because it's the biblical thing to do and in doing that, we're trying to still be on mission so that we don't have to pray for God to heal people from the coronavirus. But rather, we're, we're praying that we are steered from it and that people can see that the church actually cares about our community and our world and isn't just absorbed with ourselves so that they can find that their sins can be forgiven by the ultimate healer. So here's... Our daily training, if you've been around here a while, we're, we're going to give you something to work on. Our daily training is this. Stay on mission. But think outside the box. What roof do you need to break open? Of how you can be on, kingdom, on a kingdom-minded mission this week, bringing people into the presence of God. I mean, don't be reckless. I mean, we, we do realize I'm not actually asking anyone to break open someone's roof, Right? But think outside the box. Break down the barriers that prohibit us from being mission-minded, kingdom-minded. Don't just be self-absorbed in a, in a pity party in your house thinking about how difficult this is for you. But rather, look outward and see that the mission and the mission field is still there. And you'll find a couple things happens. First of all, you'll be able to help people. Second of all, you'll find your spirits are really in a wholly different place because you're not just thinking about yourself and having a pity party. So let's do that. 
Let's stay on mission, church. Let's stay gearing ourselves and growing and, and staying healthy and trying to, to take care of those that need to be helped and, and loving our community and know that we're going to be back next week, whatever that looks like. Know that we're going to continue to put materials. Keep checking the hub at yourcalvary.info. We're going to continue to give you information about how you can do this. But we are praying for you. We are with you. You are not alone. Don't let any lies enter your head like that. But stay on mission and help the people know that God is good. Think outside the box this week and have a kingdom perspective. So God, help us to do that. Help us to stay on mission and to have a kingdom perspective. Help us to live in a way that glorifies you, that exalts you. May your name be lifted up. God, we pray for those who are hurting and those who are fearful. We pray for our doctors for those who are going to be restocking the grocery shelves. We pray for those who are worried about their next paycheck. But God, through it all, we ask for miracles to happen. We ask for your name to be known. We ask for people to see how sweet it is to be in your presence. So as the lemons of this world come, God, may we see how sweet you can make the lemonade. And we give you glory and honor. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We were waiting without hope, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. the Father. 
to that song that's new for good and the lamb that conquered death and the dead was from their tombs and the angels stood in awe with the souls of all who come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born and the spirit lit the flame now this god Thank you so much, church family, for joining us today, for worshiping with us, for hearing from the Lord. We are praying for you. Again, we just want to remind you, go to the Hub this week. Uh, throughout the week, you'll see the latest updates on uh, where we are, what we're going to do next. Uh, from there, you can check out different resources. There's ways to give there. So go on that Hub. Uh, check out all the information that is available. And we'll see you back next week. We're praying for you. May God bless.